I actually thought I wanted to be a life coach. And like once upon a time in 2018, I did that for about a year and I made no money like at all. Um, I had like three, five paying clients, but I couldn't book appointments. So I was like, this isn't selling. So like take that principle and, and put it on to like people who are aspiring entrepreneurs or who are entrepreneurs sell to a market that could pay and solve a problem to people that could play. So that was lesson one for me. Hello and welcome to another fun episode of the Lewis and Kyle show. We feature interviews and behind the scenes conversations with inspiring entrepreneurs, investors, authors, and a whole variety of fascinating people. Today, of course, being no different. In this episode, I have the pleasure of sitting down with Jordan Ross, the founder of the Eight Figure Agency. He helps agency owners go from 10K a month to 100K per month and beyond with scalable systems, processes, SOPs, and a bunch of nerdy stuff that makes your operations efficient enough to grow incredibly quickly and much more quickly than if you didn't have his ideas. Uh, Jordan, I found from his really valuable Twitter threads about agency growth, about growing uh, specifically service-based businesses, but I think there's a lot of lessons for anyone uh, trying to make their business bigger, better, more efficient to take from his writing. This conversation covers uh, gratitude, super key for Jordan, and I think really important in his journey. Uh, discusses the one thing, both attending live events, reading the book, implementing it, put it into practice, into his life, and how that changed the game for him. We discuss manifesting. A lot of people think it's woo-woo. A lot of people don't. I will let you hear what Jordan has to say about manifesting and come up with your own opinions. Uh, Jordan gives some shout-outs to his favorite marketers, the people he thinks are the absolute best in the game. And after doing some research after the fact, tough to disagree with him. He also gives a lot of airtime to the importance of referrals and partnerships in growing his business. And towards the end, we have some fun brainstorming new business ideas that anyone listening should consider and think about. As always, we get to much more as well. Uh, just a heads up before we get started, there's a super brief siren noise at the beginning, uh, but that fades quickly. I just appreciate your patience. Didn't want to catch you off guard. Didn't want you to be alarmed. See what I did there. Hope that joke landed. Anyway, quick word from our sponsor. That's the end of the introduction. And then we will get this conversation with Jordan started. Enjoy. This episode is brought to you by our friends at VASA, the virtual assistant staffing agency. We hired our first virtual assistants from VASA to assist with our operations running the show back in June. But VASA is not just for podcast editors. If you need some extra hands to free up your time, let VASA help you with hiring for administrative, technical, and creative work. That's graphic design, cold callers, social media managers, sales reps, video editors, admin assistants, and more. Free up your time to focus on your highest impact work and learn more about VASA at vastaffing.agency or by clicking the link in the show notes to schedule a free strategy session with their team. Alrighty, back to the show. Jordan, welcome to the podcast. I'm very excited to be chatting today. Hey, brother. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Uh, one of my favorite episodes I did almost a year and a half ago at this point was with Jeff Woods, who's the host of wow. the One Thing podcast. Big fan. You just dropped the name for me. So this will be a fun conversation. Here we go. What was your experience? Because I think you've had a more intimate relationship with that organization. I read the book. I listened to their podcast. I've interviewed Jeff, but I know you actually went to one of their live events. Uh, so at what point were you in your life when you chose to do that? And what was your experience and kind of what's the start? Wow. Yeah. So shit. Great job doing some good research there. I would say Jeff was the first most pivotal, pivotal mentor that I didn't know in my life ever. When I was graduating college, I graduated in 2016, I went to work at Amazon with the intention to be an entrepreneur. I was failing miserably. I 
was managing 120 people within three months of graduating college. I was 21 years old and I didn't know what the heck I was doing. Like no clue at all. No one had given me, no one, no institution gave me the frame of reference. My manager wasn't training me well enough. I was like, if I'm, if I'm going to succeed here, I need to, I need to learn on my own. I went to podcasting and I found the one thing podcast this is in 20, this is in like 2016. I uh, started podcasting vigorously, learned the model, adopted it, brought it to my Amazonian job and it worked like crazy. It turned my job around. I went from a kid that didn't know how to perform to a guy that was a top performer and I've never stopped using it. It's, I teach all my clients the 411. I teach everyone on my team how to reverse engineer success, pick the point of leverage, the 20% of actions that lead to 80% of results. Like it is one of the core principles of success that we leverage. And when I was trying to become a consultant for agencies, I went to a business coach training in 2018, which was done by Maps Business Coaching. Jeff owned equity in that business. And, you know, Jake Dreyfus, who was driving that and Jeff were neighbors. Um, I have, I had in, tried to interview with Jeff in 2017. So like he's someone I aspire for. And when I hit the million dollar run rate, I actually texted him like, dude, I just want to thank you so much for being someone on my, on my journey that really had an impact for me. That's amazing. What if you could distill that to like one practice where you say it's like the daily forward one, is it just like the, the whole system kind of it needs to be, it's not just the sum or it's greater than the sum of the parts of like a whole cohesive thing or. I mean, you could simplify it. If you do the 411 process daily, you will hit success, whatever success means to you. Right. So for everyone who's listening, doesn't know what that means. The 411 stands for four weeks, one month, one year. So you pick your one year goal. So most entrepreneurs, I want to hit 10K, then I want to hit 50K per month, then I want to hit 85K per month. And for everyone listening, $83,000 per month is a million dollar run rate. So for a while, it was I want to hit the 85K per month run rate. So I take that, okay, what do I need to do this month? Hence, I've been doing so, make it easier to get there or make everything else unnecessary. What are my top, what's my top goal? If I can only do one thing, if I can only do a second and a third, cool. Now this week, if I can only do one thing this week that'll enable me to hit my one month goal, what would that one thing be? And then you get number two, number three, number four. Then you go to your calendar, you block time out to make sure you do it and you rinse and repeat. Every week, you kind of reset those goals. Every day, you just look at what you're doing. So when you get to your time block, you know what you're doing. So I still follow that to a T and no one does it. No one does it, um, especially our clients. They come in. This is literally session one that we work with them no matter who we're working with, you need to learn how to reverse engineer your success. Because if you don't, you're going to be focusing on the wrong things. That's awesome. I think one of my favorite parts of doing this podcast over, let's say like 120-ish episodes is just, there's just a couple really sticky frameworks that just the people who just get it and commit to it, just like they all, I don't want to say sound the same, but like they have the same kind of certainty and confidence in terms of like, you just, if you do this right, like things just go the right way. And I think like for that's, a uh, couple guests who are super deep in the one thing framework. Uh, Will Brown's one that comes to mind. A lot of people who just like took the Naval book, read that, like the Eric Jorgensen one, read that and just like took it to heart. And then it's just, you check in with them six to 12 months later and they're like pretty damn close to where they said they'd be. Yeah. Cause here, here's how the human mind works, right? And for everyone listening who isn't not exposed to this, like this will just give some validity to the tool. When, we were going through evolution as a species, right? We had to remember how to go from the, the cave to the 
lake to the forest to the prairie where we, you know, we could hunt the buffalo or pick all the berries and shit. So our brain is really good at mind mapping, but we, we have to know where we're going. A lot of people can look one month out, but when you start from today, what do I need to do today? You end up focusing on your busy work, which is not high leverage work. You work in the business, not on the business. When you start with the end in mind, take that mapping process that our brain's really good at, you could back into your steps. So you could take a one-year vision versus a one-month or one-week vision. What people are not great at before they start doing this is forecasting. Right. This is a, It's a forecasting model that allows you to kind of forecast, what do I need to do to get there? And it's a feedback loop. Okay, I said if I had to do this by this month to hit this quarterly goal, to hit this month, annual goal, and you get a really good feedback loop and you get really good at predicting. And what I've learned, the best entrepreneurs are not the ones who are the most skilled, who are the smartest, but are ones that are really good at predicting where they need to put their time and actually dedicating the right time to it. So that was a huge insight early on for my in my entrepreneur game. I just need to get really good at figuring out what I need to put my time towards. And if I just put my time towards there, it'll work out, which it, it has. So what was your, I guess, plan of action? I don't know at what kind of points in the, the plot lines you like have these frameworks or not and like these levels of like intention versus kind of stumbling, right? But for deciding to leave, again, a series of progressive, pretty fast promotions at Amazon to, to go and do this for yourself. Yeah, so I was always going to leave Amazon. Like, I think that was that part of my journey when I was a sophomore in college. I saw a presentation from Amazon. You could come and work here and become a manager and lead 100 people. And, you know, I, I we grew up in the Shark Tank era. So I graduated college in 2016. I Shark Tank came out, when, came out when I was in eighth grade. So, like, I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. And I went there with the intention of being an entrepreneur. And I started consulting on the side. When I was working in that job, my first client ever was an agency, serendipitously, and instant product market fit. So I would say before I made the leap, it was about stacking skills, which I learned from podcasting, right? I remember Lewis Howes talked about stacking skills. You need to build management skills, operation skills, sales marketing skills. So I went to Amazon. I was like, all right, if I build the management skills and the project management skills and the people skills and the leadership skills and the culture skills, I'll have the skills to build a big organization. What I didn't realize is Amazon would give me 99% of everything I would need except the marketing and sales stuff. I had to figure that out on my own. So when I left, you know, I had most of the skills to be an, a business owner, which is not an entrepreneur. Start a bunch of you need to fucking know everything, right? So when I quit, it's like, okay, I need to learn how to set appointments and close deals because I know how to do the rest. So I quit and that's what I focused on. So the client that you were consulting with while you were at Amazon was doing operations consulting, management consulting, like what was the process like for finding that, that side gig that you were like kind of the transition job, if you will, because that yeah. builds a ton of confidence. So what I don't talk about a lot, I actually thought I wanted to be a life coach. And like once upon a time in 2018, I did that for about a year and I made no money like at all. Um, I had like three, five paying clients, but I couldn't book appointments. So I was like, this isn't selling. So like take that principle and, and put it on to like people who are aspiring entrepreneurs or who are entrepreneurs sell to a market that could pay and solve a problem to people that could play. So that was lesson one for me. Lesson two, right, was, you know, find in that market a pain point that is unique to you. So for me, it's operations and scalability. I saw a, cl a client, Sam Lister, in 2019, he, he runs Blank Slate. He made a vulnerable post on LinkedIn. I was like, this is my chance. I DM'd him. Yo, saw the post. I can help you. I'll work for you for free. 
I got my first client for free. I converted him in five months to a paid client. I got three referrals from him. They were all agencies. And I looked around me. I was like, I have four agency clients. Holy shit. Like I, I just kept going and, you know, I started marketing. I got more confidence because I had four clients and I had 10 clients. I'm working on LinkedIn. I bought a course on how to set appointments. I'm working my face off. I'm setting appointments. I bought a course on how to sell. I learned how to sell. I hired a sales coach. I learned how to actually sell well. My closing rate went up. Before I knew it, I was a solopreneur. I had 30 clients. I was making like $20,000 a month. Uh, and, you know, my life was totally different. Is that the point of dizziness where you become kind of the obsessed with uh, not being crazy and managing 30 clients as one person? Yeah. So 30 clients was my breaking point. I looked in the mirror. I'm like, I don't want to do this. <laughs> like, it's a lot of clients. It was, so, you know, like an hour a day to each client would uh, not get you very far. It, it was so, it was so many for me. I mean, my top consultant has 30 clients right now, but you know, I had one of my good friends, Max Binda in 2020, he looked at me, he's like, you're not a, I kept calling myself an entrepreneur. And he's like, you're not an entrepreneur. And this might be like pretty vulgar. I don't know how like PG or R this podcast is. He's like, you're a fucking prostitute. I'm like, what do you mean? He's selling, you're selling your time for money. You don't have a Jordan. You sold, you quit your job to just get another one, except you have a lot more freedom with this job. And that was a huge light bulb moment. I am not a business owner. I have a job as a freelancer, right? And I was building a brand about entrepreneurship, but I actually, I was just a freelancer. And that was same thing. I don't want to be a freelancer anymore. I don't want to work for 30 clients. I want to build a business. And that started a whole new journey. That was a huge paradigm shift. So was the first, what was the first step after that paradigm shift? You're just like, I, there's, I'm not the only person who knows how to do X, Y, and Z. And you found yeah. something? Or was it another like course so, free coach kind of? So it was twofold. In that same conversation, 2020, it was you You are not niched. And you're a business coach. No one wants to fucking hire a coach. So if you look at my profile, we don't do coaching. We don't. We're, we're actually consultants. So I removed that from my title. I niched down to work with agencies exclusively. And I just continued with... I started sourcing for a consultant to train. And I went through four guys. My fourth guy hit. My first three were failures. The first guy, you know, I and I had hired for Amazon, but I did not know. I was impatient with my hires, and I I knew what to do. But it's one thing knowing what to do, and there's another thing actually being in the business and being a a young aspiring entrepreneur and just wanting to fucking move fast. So I I hired one guy for like four months. I knew in my gut in the interview he wasn't good, but like I tried to find people for a month and I couldn't, and I was like, fuck it. I hired him. We worked for four months and I got to a point like this guy isn't good enough. I had to let him go. It's a waste of my time. Then I went to the next person and he didn't commit. You know, he was half in, half out. He was coming to calls, not prepared. Same thing. Didn't set the expectations. I knew what to do, but I I just didn't do it. Third guy. I was like, I didn't have any success recruiting people in the marketplace. So I need to go to my network. I hit up someone in my personal network. Same thing. I set very clear expectations and he just flaked at me. Didn't work. So by the time I got to my fourth guy, I was probably seven months into this journey of like four people. And I, one of my clients, Sam Lister from Blank Slate, who actually was my first client ever, his business partner had done such a good job of optimizing his business. He hit me up. He's like, yo, I don't have anything to do. I heard you're trying to grow. Could we try this out? It's really skeptical at first, but you know, they had built a million dollar business. This business partner, the COO was like, 
had been a client of mine. It just seren- same thing. Serendipity fell into my lap. Like I got very lucky, and that's Zach. Zach's my business partner today. So that first hire, that fit, was inbound, basically. Inbound, yeah. Looking back on it, you know, there's a lot of things that I could have done differently. But it's one thing, like I said, it's one thing knowing the model because we know the models, and it's another thing actually going through the pain of fucking it up. Sure. And really emphasizing to be patient in the process because your patience will reward you. Yeah. Well, now you advise people to do like capacity planning. So they're just months ahead of the problem. Yeah. So we, we leverage something called the value stream equation. And we actually updated, I actually updated that this week. I now call it the command center, which is um, my newest model. But there's 13 data points that every good business owner should own. Your appointments set, your no-show rate, your qualified rate, your closing rate on qualified leads, your closing rate on all leads in general, your onboarding capacity, your capacity for general clients, your lifetime value, your monthly churn rate, your MRR, and there's three other ones I'm not going to go into. So we take all those things. We're like, let's watch the flow of your business from appointment set to how long people will stay with you. Let's look at churn. So if you have if you're closing, if you're sending 10 appointments a month, if you're closing two of them, you're bringing two new clients a month in. If you have 10 clients and you're churning 10% of clients a month, you're going to lose like one client a month right now. So we kind of take those in and we could basically shift and adjust the nozzles. So, okay, at two, at, you're churning one client a month, you're bringing in two a month, eventually you're going to cap out at like 20 clients a month. You're going to be signing two a month and you're going to be losing two a month at 10%. So we need to figure out how to reduce churn or increase sales. So we need to focus on appointment setting and then sales, right? So we use that to kind of understand that and the forecasting on the backside, what's your current capacity? Like how many clients can you take on? Where will that break, right? And then once you understand your capacity, when will we need to make a hire? And then based on appointments being set per month, sales close per month and churn per month, we could forecast when we're going to need to hire. So what I talk about a lot is like, go into the marketplace, find your next hire. We already know who our next hire is. I texted him this week. His name's Aristotle. He used to work for me at Amazon. I'm like, bro, we might be 60 days away from a hire. We might be six months from a hire. I don't know. But are you down to kind of just come into our Slack channel and see some things intermittently? So like when we are ready to hire, I'll give you a 30 to 60 day notice that we're going to hire you. And then we'll really ramp you up on training. So if you source that next hire in advance, it usually when you're small, you could have a personal relationship with people. You could train them so far in advance. So by the time they come into your business, you're not focusing on training. You're just focusing on like ramping up. Yeah. And you can do the culture test and all of those other things. I just kind of get this impression that your clients are just busy and like stressed and disorganized. And you just like come in with this, this attitude of just like, like obsessive organization and just like, just like, what if we, I, I, I just feel like at a slower pace in a good way. You know what I mean? Like the, my experience with kind of the state of the business I'm in right now is like, it's very frantic, right? It's very much like hustle mode and just like all these things. And this is again, from the, the podcast I listened to that helped a lot with my research was just, you're really encouraging people to like do all the things they know that they need to do. Not that they know they need to do all of these things, but the majority of things are like, of course I should be monitoring X, Y, and Z and this you're holding them to the fire to like take the time to do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I said, it's one thing to know you have to do something. It's one thing being held accountable, but I actually 
today I, I created a memetic. Memetic. That's a new moniker. Memetic. I'll have to Google it for you. But I, mnemonic? No. Here, I'll pull it up for you real quick. Okay. Memetic. M E M E T I C. Right. So, so mine is, it's basically like what Make America Great Again is. It's, the, it's a quick slogan that imprints what you're all about. For me, okay. it's build your dream, not your prison. Right. So, what you're talking about, we're frantic, we want to grow. Most entrepreneurs, especially agency owners, they get into this game for freedom. And they get into this game because I want to be a, a millionaire entrepreneur and I want to be able to travel the world. I want to be able to do the heck I want. What ends up, what you end up doing is what I did at 30 clients, you build your business around you because you are the expert, right? And then you hire someone, but you're still intimately involved. You scale from 10K to 50K to 100K and you look in there, you're like, I can't take a vacation or if I can, I have to work a lot. And, you know, my systems are okay, but like I didn't have the time. This is what I was saying before. People are looking at the first, the next one week to 30 days, you focus on what's busy work in front of you. You don't actually take the time to do what you need to do, right? So every so our clients are coming in, they essentially built a glorified prison for themselves because they can't take long vacations. They don't have in, like a passive income stream. They're not a true business owner because a business owner comes back and their business is bigger. They are the bottleneck in their business. So let's you know build the life of your dreams get rid of your prison, right? That's what we do. It sounds like, I think you've mentioned this, that, you know, you've done this for over a hundred people, kind of walked like more than a hundred businesses through this process. Do you see yourself like- 500 actually yeah. soon. Do you see yourself taking this to like a thousand, 10,000? Do you see yourself just wanting to help bigger businesses at a higher level or just the same kind of like, I mean, I don't know, again, the extent your hands are in the, in the pots actually holding the individual business owner's hands. And you probably have people trained like to, implement all the things you're explaining to me, but where do you see kind of yourself focusing with, with this? Because again, there's, I don't know, like every, there's always like the, it's like a a college, right? There's like freshmen coming in and their seniors graduating. There's always like a steady street. It's like where you want to insert yourself in that stream. But it seems like this workflow of people at whatever the number is between like 20 and 50 K who just like can't get to the next milestone. You've like really got that down. Do you just want to like serve everyone who's in that position or do you kind of want to expand in different directions. Yeah. So in terms of the expansion, I think that naturally happens as we grow, right? Like it's going to be a lot easier to attract more eight-figure businesses when we're eight figures. Like that's just going to be naturally organic. That's going to happen, right? In terms of where this business is going, you know, I think just organically, we're going to be like 50% of our clients are doing more than a million and 50% of our clients are doing less than a million. Right. So we have a really good understanding of who those people are. All of our marketing is geared. They're all the same ICP, ideal customer profile. So for me, it's really just about scaling this. I think organically, we get introduced to different sub niches in the agency world, right? We start getting more clients that are above 5 million and more clients that are above eight figures. We're working with a handful of eight figure agencies today. Um, and I'm only working with three clients. I, my job is to be a business owner, not to be a consultant in my business. And. From there, it's kind of like, you know, the big thing for me is purpose. Like I really give a shit about helping as many people as possible. So I'm a really spiritual dude. When I meditate on that, you know, some people will come to me and be like, I had a client, Jeremy Moser. He unbelievable. One of the best marketers I've ever met. He, he only works with like a few clients and he, his business makes millions and he's got like five clients. So like really consider that, like how good of a marketer you have to be to like have a few clients. 
And he was sharing an angle. He's like, dude, I think the biggest place of impact for you is actually helping the people get out of the nine to five and into the, into the job. And I was like, that's intriguing, right? So where we go in the long term, I don't know. All I know is that I'll never sell eight-figure agency. We'll continue to grow from like, we're actively serving 50 clients and a little bit more than that. We'll go from 50 to 500. Like this entity will never change. We'll just add on different tiers of what that offer looks and who we serve within that ecosystem. Yeah, I kind of think about that, like the, you know, like the footer and the ClickFunnels emails. It might be like a niche thing to say, but the footer and the ClickFunnels email is just like, have this problem, this, have this problem, this. And it's like the full entire life cycle of like everything. So it's like, start here. If you're here, it's like, if you've never, if you don't know, like what any of these even words mean, like these are all brand new buzzwords to you. And it's like, I know it's like 15 steps of the, the value ladder. That's exactly, exactly. what it is. Exactly. And, and that's what Russell always says, right? He's like, don't learn from me. Just learn from my sales process as much as you learn from what I'm selling you, uh, if not more. But it's funny, I uh, will talk maybe more about this offline, but I was introduced to Jeremy the other day and we did not, didn't totally go anywhere, but I kind of, I don't know. But He's a busy dude. Guy. If yeah. you hit him up, just it depends on the platform you met him on. He's He doesn't reply to a lot of things because he's just not on the platform. Right. Sense. I think that he's so hyper-focused on just his process, his routine, right? Which goes back to that 411, which, you know, we did the 411, we were able to double his profit in like six months. That's pretty sweet. I want to uh, have a couple like agency bonus questions. Maybe we'll ask kind of towards the end. Uh, but I know you're also very into the kind of manifesting worlds. Very much so. Every day. Every day. What, what, every what day. do you do every day? Yeah. So I'll give context here. I think manifesting, it's not, it's becoming a lot more mainstream. Like guys like us are more inclined to like buy into it. Manifesting for me was introduced um, in 27, December 2016 um, with the book, The Secret, which changed my life. I meditate 20 minutes a day and I do a, a four-part meditation. The first part of meditation for me is about um, my breath work. The second part is about disconnecting, um, really like losing my sense of self. Because when you actually go into the quantum field, which I'll talk a little bit about the quantum um, physics in a little bit, when you disconnect from sense of self and go into that part where you actually start visualizing, seeing what you'd want to see, feeling what you'd want to feel. If you go into that without a sense of self, your ability to connect to that emotion and that energy in the quantum realm increases your ability to manifest. And then it's just really about spreading that love and energy and appreciation. I do it with my wife, I do it like with my ecosystem physically. Manifesting for me was game changer. And in 2020, the Pentagon released um, publication basically proving that it is scientific fact. And there's a lot of quantum physics that are now out that are also defined as statement of fact that manifesting is just quantum physics, quantum physics, the study of energy. What quantum physicists teach is your brain has electronic pulses, your heart um, creates a magnetic field between the two, you create unique electromagnetic fields, which go into the quantum field and basically like attract likes, like attracts like. If you close your eyes and imagine yourself, I'll give you mine. I look to my left, I could see the, the water and I see palm trees and I look straight and I see the mountains of Santa Monica. So for me, I close my eyes, I would vision this, I would vision seeing the ocean and seeing the water, right? So when I see that, it creates a unique electromagnetic circuitry. And my heart, when I actually close my eyes and I and 
embody it. I have a, a unique emotion. The two create a unique electromagnetic signature that go into the quantum field. And what's going to happen is the serendipitous opportunities are going to come around me to enable me to get there faster. So my business partner, Lucas Capistani, we partner up. He's like, yo, let me combine your funnel into mine. I'll work with you every week to help you increase your sales and marketing. Dope. That's exactly what we did. And my business has grown 4X because of it. He came to me. I was introduced through a mutual friend, right? So it's kind of those things that like in quantum, you can manifest and create anything instantaneously. So it's like today, you know, I want to hit a new goal and, and I've been pushing really fucking hard to get it. But on a quantum level, if I just let go and manifest, it's going to it's gonna come to fruition. I was on a 15 minute call and we booked five calls in 15 minutes, right? Like been working, trying to get my team back in order. And I was just like, let me let go and see what happens. And fucking five, five calls came through in a 15 minute period today. We got back on track. I don't want this to come across as dismissive or skeptical, which can you be more specific about how it's like the part that's fact, like everything you said is fact or yeah, like so here's what the I'll say. relationship between because like, yeah, go ahead, please. Manifesting is a proven scientific fact. It's not one of these things that like, oh, these these fucking bitches on Instagram are just doing weird shit like you can. Dr. Joe Dispenza is the number one neurophysicist and quantum physicist that is more publicly talking about this. He's got a massive following and mm -hmm. his shit takes this whole thing to another level around transformation. The amount of research and data and proof they have, they are partnering with major universities and publications that everything they do is around transforming your life through meditation and like basically releasing a significant amount of energy. So the person that's skeptical, look, I can ring off these things in quantum physics, I would say, if you're curious, I would Google Dr. Joe because everything Those I'm books saying- are great. Yeah, everything I'm saying- I don't saying, think I finished one, but- I'm an audiobook guy. <laughs> Finishing books is not for me, but um, the whole process is scientific fact. It's not one of these things now where it's like, yeah, like not for me, what like success isn't for you. Like what, you don't want to be happier? Like what, you don't want to, it, it's, it is literally a proven process beyond reasonable doubt. Like it is the way, so- for the skeptics in the room, look, you could either say you could you could say it doesn't work for you. And like, I mean, there's still people that are flat earth believers, too. So like, whatever, it's 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 your journey. I know it works for me and that that's cool. I'm going to keep rocking it. Yeah, that's the other perspective I have on it, too. Even the, the non-scientific perspective, more just like the cause and effect perspective, like the book Thinking Grow Rich. Like there's a lot of stuff in there a lot of people don't agree with. But it's like you can you can feel that way or you can like look at these I don't know how many hundreds of thousands of people who decided to be like, I don't know if this is true or not, but I'm just going to take this as if it is literally true. And the amount of them who just like refer to that book as the essential ingredients in their story looking backwards. It's like, I don't know. Does it really matter if he was right in the explanations? If there's, it just works? I don't know. I mean, it's all placebo effect at a yeah. bare minimum, at a bare minimum, right? Because there is, the science is there. The serendipities do show up in your life. The transformation's there, but at bare minimum, at least you feel good, right? And that's the whole point of this journey. It's like, if you're not waking up and doing your best to be happy and granted, I have my fair share of anxiety and I, I, I you know, I meditate when that shit happens and I do my breath work, but if it's going to position me to live a better life, then why wouldn't I keep doing it? I agree with that. That's, I guess, where I'm getting, because like, I have read a lot of the books. I am generally, like you said, like, I think there's a lot of tendency for, entrepreneurs, whatever you want to call it, to like be open-minded to this thing, maybe just because they know so they have the role models and the 
people they've met and heard of who are so successful and serious about it at the same time, right? Kind of like a, a weird intersect of people. There's a lot of people who are into this stuff who don't have anything to show for it, but entrepreneurs have kind of encountered all the people who do have that magical, magical overlap. But the the piece about the the serendipities, and this is me just trying to like understand it, not even from a, a place of skepticism. It's just the, I guess, randomness in that process. It's kind of like, you don't know what it's going to be, but something's going to happen. And you don't necessarily know when it's going to happen, but the this leads to something pro, like the middle is fuzzy and then the outcome is relatively certain. Like what's your, I don't know if it's a reconcile because I don't know if there's like a specific fallacy there, but how do you address that question? Look, I think at the end of the day, the science is there. So explain the serendipities. It's like, that's just how it happens. You know, I've grown more in my faith of the process and my faith that like, there's more to this, like the magic of the universe is freaking awesome. And then, you know, for everyone that's skeptical, do it for 12 months, which is a long, it's a big ass do it for like, because you're going to practice it. Shoot, fucking crazy shit will happen. I'll just tell you a quick story about like, this is the craziest serendipitous thing I've ever had happen to me. And it's already blown my mind. It's changed my trajectory. And I've only met the guy twice. I own the domain 8figureagency.co. We work with a client. His name's Matthew Scherenberg. Uh, he's amazing. He's here in LA. He is a very successful 25-year-old agency owner. They're about to hit the $2 million run rate. And one of the things that Matt was asking for me, he's like, hey, man, I love working with you and your partners. I want more of your time specifically. And I'm like, dude, I can't give you my time. Because he, he wanted to invest like a lot of money with us. And he's like, I want more of you too. I'm like, I can't do that. I love you, bro. Like, And he's still a client. He went out to the marketplace. He found a guy who runs an SEO business who's doing you know $20 million annually. This guy's name is Jason Hennessy. I talked to Matt. We get lunch every month. And he's like, dude, this guy, Jason's insane. He's the guy I ended up hiring. He's doing 20 million. Check this out. He owns the website, eightfigureagency.com. I'm like, bro, what? He's like, yeah, he does 20 million. His bit, he has got, he's got a studio out in the, in the, in the Valley or in North Hollywood. Like, let me introduce you. I, I meet him. We do a podcast together. He has a t-shirt on that says gratitude's an action, not an emotion. So immediately I fucking love this guy. He invites me out to the studio. He told me he fully exit his agency is doing 2 million, 20 million annually. I walk into the studio. It's a, it's a podcast studio. I, the, the show, um, Love Island is doing a podcast there, but I don't watch that show, but I'm sure there's a bunch of people I know of it. Um, this guy's walking me through his Disneyland vision. Like he just dropped crazy fucking nuggets on me and crazy level, intimate levels of strategy on how they went from like 5 million to 10 million, 10 million, 12 million. And I have a blueprint now for my business. What's my next level of strategy I'm going to implement? And I mean, it take it's going to take for me investing $5,000 a month into marketing, which I wasn't mentally even considering before that. But he walked me through the blueprint and it, serendipitously, like that is going to, he tells me that one strategy implements adds a new million dollars in business a year in profit. Profit. That's not revenue. Profit. So yeah, it's just serendipitous. I would have never met that guy. Serendipitously, it happened. And that's a life-changing guy for me. And I'll I'm going to try to continue nurture a relationship with him. I'd say a uh, pretty ridiculous ROAS, the 5K a month to, to bring in 80K a month. Yeah, it, it's pretty it's pretty legit. I could tell you what it is. It's, it's, about, it's about leveraging um, a book, writing a book. So he has a book, SEO for law firms. And he said it makes them a million dollars a year in their business. 
I think. Uh, so what they do with their book, the book, they paid a publishing company to write the book for them um, or co-author it, right? So he, they interview him. He tells them what he wants. He tells them the stories. They do it. Then they publish it. They do a campaign. And he said they'll send 250 books out a month. So they will set, find 250 prospects. They'll send the book in the mail. Hey, we'd love, we'd love to do business. We think this is going to help you. Naturally, a bunch of people are going to read it. Then they're going to book an appointment with them. And they go to conferences. They bring 250 books to the conferences. They hand all 250 out. He said that one book, just from a branding perspective and opening doors, like, do you want to send a cold email or do you want to send a cold book to someone's door? And the book's fucking awesome. I would have never even considered that strategy or never even considered $5,000 a month in doing something like that ever until I met him. And it works. Like it, it's He's someone who, when I do that, I could pin him up. Yo, I wrote my book. Can you help me? launch this and really figure it out, right? So it's a top of funnel strategy. And same thing, like I've always wanted to write a book, but I never considered a book is actually like driving my business in that way. And the, the serendipity kind of comes back to, I mean, that's a crazy strategy, crazy in a cool way. The serendipity comes back to just like, you know, owning the domains and kind of just the random meet up with the, I forget his name, the 25 year old guy. Matt, yeah. So pretty cool. That's a good story. Curious, uh, we'll uh, have to hit you back up when, you, when you're promoting a book, but if it's, it might be hyper-specific based yeah, on man. the sounds of the strategy. Yeah. I'm not at the point where I want to invest $5,000 just into the book because the book is going to cost tens of thousands of dollars to make because I'm going to do it with them. I'm not going to do it with some freelancer off of like sure. Fiverr or Upwork. So we probably need a... 1.5x our profit and our 2x our profit and I'll pull the trigger. So when I do that, we'll come back on and we'll do a whole book thing. It's on the horizon. And the stack somewhere of all the books I have from authors from the show. It's fun to watch it through. But I don't have everyone in print yet, so I feel bad. I don't like mean to exclude people. I'm just like a watch your ebook. I don't know what what, what you want to tell me. Price is different. (laughs) But the couple bonus questions from me. Yeah, let's do it. What else are you doing kind of at the moment to kind of purposely get smarter or learn new ideas? Like what's been your source of new knowledge if that's been a priority? It always is. I do two things. One, I always am paying and hiring consultants that are really good in a skill set that I need to improve on or my business needs to get better at. Our biggest bottleneck is just how many appointments could we set? Like that's, it. We, have a, we have a bench because one of the guys I've hired has a bench of really good people, consultants that could come in, we got a bench of talent. So capacity is what's perceives to be almost unlimited. So I'm always hiring experts. So just give you three examples. Um, Wiz of Ecom, he's huge on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I hired him as an expert. I spoke to him today for an hour and he's turned into a really good friend of mine. So we were going into some specific content strategy, Twitter strategy, appointment setting strategy. We're gonna go into cold email. So Alec, Alex Berman, um, he wrote the yep. cold email manifesto. I audio book. So I audio book too. Yeah. I hit him up. I'm like, dude, I want to implement this in my business. How much can I pay you? He sends me the link. He's like, do the group coaching. So I was like, great. Could I bring in my two team members to do this with me? Yes. Cool. So we're going to hire him. Uh, we're going into YouTube, right? So there's a guy. I saw I that. Up. Yeah. Hitting up your studio. Yeah. Filling so, it all out. Yeah. So um, I, I already know who I'm going to hire for that. So it's, I'm at a point, you know, like I couldn't afford these things earlier on in my business, but like for me growing 
is intentionally where does my business need to expand in? Who's the consultant I could hire? That's just going to educate and train me and make me knowledgeable so we could build a, a process in-house. And then I'm always audiobooking, right? Like spiritual audiobooks, personal audiobooks, right? Like, like cold email, I'm pulling it up right now. We got the cold email manifesto. Shit, the last three books beyond that are spiritual books. I've re-listened, you know, culture playbook, never lose a customer. Alex Hermosi, we got three books from him, right? So yeah, I've million dollar offers. It's the goat book. Yeah, what are, are the spiritual books like? Uh, Michael Singer, are they like Eckhart Tolle. They're a whole my, other. So other I've I've done Michael Singer. Direction. I'm actually I go on Anthony my Demello. Yeah, I go on my anniversary trip in ten days. Um, so I'm actually gonna read the Surrender Experiment again. That's last year is my first time reading it, so that will be an annual October thing for me. I'm reading a lot of Dolores Cannon right now, or listening rather. She, her books are so radically out there. I'll preface that, but for me, uh, they really hit home. They resonate. That's uh, what I always try to find on the podcast is something that's just radically out there, or someone who's like, just like, hey, this is like of all the things I've said, this is the one that requires qualification. That like, hey, this is uh, this is it a is, little bizarre. I. I'm the type of guy that when I find something that really hits on with me, I want to share it with as many people as possible. For me, her shit is like the most radical. And it's been life-changing and just my belief of something greater than myself and what we're doing here. I've shared her shit with like, I personally only told a few people, right? So I'm not telling anyone to read it. I'm just saying like, this is something I'm reading and listening to right now. But like, I've told like two or three friends. Which, you know, compared to like the 20 or 30 people like, yeah, you've got to check out the cold email manifesto from Alex Berman. It's fucking great, which I've done. And I posted on Twitter, too, because it's fucking great. You will see a lot of agencies growing at a variety of paces. What are the kind of like blue oceans? If you were 22, you didn't have a service yet and you're like, I can, you know, I'm generally smart. I can figure out marketing. I can figure out SEO. I can figure out copywriting. Like, what are people just what's just stupid right now? Or yeah, maybe so something stupid that's the, a bit of short for, searching for a shortcut that might not exist. Yeah. So I think picking a niche with the intention just to pick the niche for the sake of it, like Alex Ramosi will say that's a bad strategy. I will actually agree because I think it's, it, there's just, you're fighting in a really uphill battle. But if you don't give a fuck about that, here, here are my <laughs> top three niches. Um, these are my top three. So I'll give you my top three. Two of them are from Hermosi and one of them's from me. So cannabis, Matt Scherenberg, he was the guy I referenced before. Cannabis is growing so much right now. Matt Scherenberg, they've been able to double really quickly. Go, Actually, they more than doubled. So they're almost like tripled. They went from 60K when they worked with us. They're almost at like 180 in a really short period of time because they built a lot of credibility, a lot of expertise, and cannabis is blowing up. That's one. Um, crypto, we got Tyler Mullins. And a few other clients are working there. Tyler Marone's the same thing. He went from 20, he went from running like barely profitable to running a seven figure agency. Eight months it took us to took us to do that. And same thing. He's got like 14 competitors that are also eight social media management agencies for crypto companies. Hard as fuck. But you know, now that he's figured out his system, like it's a blue ocean. And then the third one, I, you're the second person, and I guess the audience too is the group of people that are hearing this self-storage is like i cannot believe i googled it you know there are definitely companies i've never met anyone self-storage is probably in my opinion could be like the best if you're truly trying to just make fucking money and have something be passive that is the best industry you want to go 
into 100%. How to get clients in that, you might struggle with that. But if you could break into that space, I would think that could be one of the stickiest things ever. So you could do Google My Business and ads. Why is this such a sticky space? One, the people that own self storage units are probably passive income investors. They don't want to fucking do anything except collect checks. So if you have good Google My Business rankings, and if your Google ads get ROI, you're probably fucking good. If you wanted to break in there, find a broker or five or 10 and build relationships, ask for referrals and tell them you give them a nice kickback for the lifetime of the relationship. That's how I'd go into self-storage. Oh, we got, we got Lewis looking it up. That was just, I like to make notes for myself for how to introduce the episode. And uh, I put new business ideas. And then because we all use our own language in shorthands, I wrote sauce, sauce at the ends. Sauce, baby. So there's some good sauce there. Yeah, I've thought a lot about the the crypto because I used to run with in, in conjunction with a couple other people. Uh, I ran like the Bitcoin Magazine Twitter account for a couple of months with the help of many people. But I was like one of the hands on that ship and like the credibility of being able to say that and like sell crypto social media services would be pretty. It's hard because what they, what they, I think social media is one of the stickiest offers in terms of just content creation. I think SEO and content creation, if you do them well, and SEO is SEO for Google and SEO for YouTube, which is, I have a new perspective on that recently. If you crush those things, if you get the right client that understands the long game or for content that understands they need to create good content all the time, and it takes a lot of fucking time and they don't want to do it. Stickiest services, period. With crypto for social media management, the caution here is these guys need users and you need conversions. So Tyler's doing social media management, but he's also doing client acquisition, hard as fuck. It's basically lead gen. So that's the cautionary tale. Give on social media management for crypto. Yeah. Uh, I think this might be the last question. You stuck it in there. A Your strategy would include partnerships. You had a tweet the other day that was like, if I didn't have leads, I'd just find more partners. Like that's step, if, if A is the problem, B is the solution. Yeah, um, I think the lowest hanging fruit for leads is referrals. We got, we closed a referral deal yesterday from a client and partnerships. Partnerships, we actually don't get too many deals from just because we have enough lead flow where, you know, we probably have four guys that are not clients that send us deals and that's plenty. So what I'll say on leads, one, you want to crush it for your clients. And then the first moment you have big success or moderate success, ask for referral. And then thereafter, once a quarter, you want to ask on a call for referral. Not on email, not on text, not on Slack, on a fucking call. Lewis, are you happy with us? Does this meet your expectations? Yes. Awesome. We're looking to increase our impact. Do you know anyone that you think would benefit from this service as well? Oh, let me think about that. Great. Take your time. Oh, I think I know a few people. What's their name? Oh, Adam, John, and Sam. Cool. You write down their names. Do you mind making an intro in the next 24, 48 hours? Bang. You follow up with them. Hey, you said you're going to make an intro to Adam, John, and Sam. Like, want to check in on that? Haven't gotten those intros yet. Are you still down for that? You'll get intros. Partners. Um, if you're an agency, you want to find partners in complementary services. If you are SEO and web dev, you want paid media, you want Legion, you want content, you want YouTube SEO, you want you know, video creation, video editing, like you want everything else, CRO, right? You want everything else that's not your service. You want to find probably two or three partners per niche, like, you know, per service offering. And then you want to do what I call the round robin. So every time you get a client, hey, like really happy to help you. We want to add value to you. What services are you looking for outside of ours? Oh, I need a new website. I need CRO and I need to go on YouTube. Cool. Here's three agencies. Law of reciprocity means that clients can be happier with you. 
And then you're going to add law of reciprocity for your referral partners. You're going to find out in, in a three to six month period who is and who is not going to send you business back. You swap out the people that don't send business back to you and you swap them in for new partners. You keep doing that pop, that process until you find super connectors. Super connector going to the 80-20 rule is a, probably the 5% of people that are going to send you 90% of your referrals. Those people will change your fucking agency. You could build a million dollar agency just on referrals and referral partners. That's it. So you have to be diligent. It does take about 12 months. But once you do it, I remember back in 2020, I was talking to this entrepreneur down in San Diego. He was telling me he runs a million dollar um, telecommunications business. It blew my mind. He's like, I don't have a sales team. I just get referrals and I have an ecosystem. Didn't know that was possible. And then I did it myself. I was like, holy shit, the shit pops. This is great. Actually, Elad, this will be the final question. Uh, not a piece of advice you give yourself when you're just starting out, uh, but a piece of advice you give yourself in January of this year. So something that even despite the, I don't know, decade or whatever it is that you've experienced you've had and obviously lots of beginner mistakes, but this year was something that you'd like tell yourself at the beginning of this year to do slightly differently. Wow, I really don't have any regrets this year, which is fucking awesome to look back and think that. <laughs> wow, that's pretty... Honestly, this year has been amazing. Go hard as fuck on Twitter or as fast as possible. So we went hard as fuck and... I mean, I just, I'm about to cross 13,000 followers on Twitter and they're all hyper-specific. I wrote my, I got onto Twitter the third week in January of this year. So in 10 wow. months, which is actually crazy, in 10 months, I've gained 13 followers and they're all hyper-niche, hyper-fucking-niche, like you, right? Yep. Um, go twice as hard into Twitter than you're going to. So I'm, I've been posting three times a day and Wiz, okay, you know what? Hire Wiz of Ecom immediately. That's what it would have been. Hire Wiz immediately. Um, because even today, like I'm not fully leveraging his strategy as best as possible. So hire him immediately. He has been one of the biggest game changers in my business, but no, it's been a great year for us. And I think if you're an agency, you should be on Twitter. And if you don't know how to do Twitter, Wiz of Ecom is the fucking goat. And he's a close friend of mine. I fucking love that guy. And he's, he's the real deal. Wiz of Ecom for, for life. So go twice as hard on Twitter than you would have otherwise. Because look, I got 13,000 followers. DMs are open for literally everyone. That's crazy. On LinkedIn, if I want to DM people, I have to go fucking request them. If I want to DM people, I just go write a viral post. I get 100 or 200 followers and I DM them a month later or so after, that, after they read my content. I mean, I don't know how long you've been following me, but if you read my threads, I've been told they're fire. I don't know. I think they're pretty good. But I've been told there's some good stuff in there. Life. There's some good stuff in there. So it, it, I start to DM people that read my shit and they follow me so there's a rapport or cadence my yeah. reply rate so much higher twitter for the win i think you came up with an answer there that was good where is the start here button for people who like what you have to say and want to stay in the loop start here page maybe when you say start your page are you saying like just like follow, if i could yeah yeah exactly just like to follow me okay i was gonna say if you want start, to start an agency start here no um, yeah afigureagency.co backslash resources there are 19 videos on there watch them all dm me on twitter and i'll you know their dms are probably nuts but we'll, we'll get back to you and follow me on twitter jordan underscore ross underscore 8f that's my main platform today and it's where I put the most energy into LinkedIn. I just kind of re-syndicate all my shit from Twitter. So the website, Twitter, we'll, and we'll, we'll rock it from there. Sounds great. Well, thank you so much. 
It's been fun. Leia Lewis, thank you so much, bro. That wraps up this conversation with Jordan Ross from the Eight Figure Agency. Three takeaways, and then we'll be moving on. First takeaway for me, ask for referrals. Jordan kept saying how important they've been for him, how he loves to do it for other people. And you know what? Check the receipts. Jordan did, in fact, send me a referral for my agency after this podcast was recorded. So good on him. Uh, thank you, Jordan, for that referral. Y'all don't be shy. You don't ask, you don't get. Referrals are extremely valuable. Warm introductions are, I mean, like a 10,000x better than a cold lead most of the time. Second takeaway, the one thing, it is such a common pattern of success, whether that's just me observing people who've been on this podcast or just the fact that the book is a year-in, year-out bestseller in the category of just personal development, self-help, productivity. People who find this framework and go absolutely all in on adopting and living it tend to have extraordinary outcomes just like the book discusses. I highly recommend it. I need to be better about implementing it. But I mean, people who go all in on it like Jordan has, it's so evident how it works for them. They just are always doing what's most high leverage and then their outcomes are just extraordinary. It's pretty awesome. Uh, Third takeaway is investing in yourself. Again, the whole point of this podcast is repeat takeaways, things that if you've listened to a lot of episodes, probably heard me ramble about at the end many, many times. Uh, It's funny, I always hear coaches and consultants talk about how all the other coaches and consultants they've hired in their life, which is like the least hypocritical thing. It'd be funny if you met a coach and consultant who never, you know, refused to hire coaches or consultants, but it's just a, an unlock. The coaches and consultants are specialized in helping someone in a specific set of circumstances get a super specific set of results. And, you know, it's worth it most of the time. Uh, something I need to keep doing more of every time I've actually gone for it, it's either been worth it or refundable. Uh, so I just kind of need to get over the hurdle when the opportunities present themselves. That's all from me in this episode with Jordan. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Be sure to subscribe so you know about the next one. Follow Jordan on Twitter or his newsletter for the latest in agency growth hacks. Check out our sponsor today, VASA, the virtual assistant staffing agency, if you want to offload some of your tasks and get some help uh, to scale your operations, no matter what that entails, and share the show if you liked it. Or, you know, do nothing too. That's fine. I'm Either way, I am grateful to you just for listening, and I will see you next time. Bye-bye.